What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rico's Watches podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined today by a very interesting guest uh, with a very interesting company, uh, one that is well known in the watch space, particularly in the uh, law enforcement and military circles, and I think has a really cool story to tell today. So I'm chatting with uh, Matt Graham, the founder of Aries Watches. How's it going? It's going. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good, good. Matt, I got to say, you got quite the little uh, podcast set up. You're sounding crisp today. It is. It, none of it is made by me. Uh, I just I just get what I'm told to get. Uh, so, yeah, it is. It's a full podcast studio that we set up a while ago. We were running a podcast regularly. Then we deviated. Um, and now coming out here in the fall, we're going to do a series of. I I've been in love with watches since I was a kid. And the coolest part about the watch world to me was transitioning from liking watches into making watches. Mm -hmm. So we're dropping a whole kind of, I don't like the word interactive because it's not interactive, but what it is, is it's kind of build your own kit with mm -hmm. us. So we ship you all the parts. You build your Aries watch. You ship it back to us. We depth test it, certify it and all of that. And then you've built your own timer. So it's one of those things that guys in the watch world, men and women in the watch world from training and schools that they always say, you know, one day, instead of working on someone else's watch, I really want to build my own. And it's baffled me because I'm like, how are you not starting with building your own? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's kind of a cool way to globally, because we have people from all over that like our stuff, but we also have people that are just enthusiasts that want to build stuff. And it's like, well, here you go, man. Here's like a... Like the stuff in the back of Boy's Life magazine as a kid where you used to be like, man, I can order this little kit and I can make a sea monkey or I can do, you know, I can just build all these different things. We're like, hey, let's let's let you make your own Aries. So. That's wow. That sounds like something really cool to look forward yeah. to and, and, you know, something very interactive for the guest and, and or for the for the customer. And I think that's going to be I would imagine that'll definitely be a hit. That sounds really, really interesting. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely curious to see and hear more about that uh, as that develops along. Before we get into kind of um, more about the watches and more about you and things like that, what's on the wrist today? Ooh, uh, what's on the wrist of the guy that makes watches? Uh, field. So I've got the field one. Beauty. So uh, I can drop this off if you want. We'll go from there. Field one in black. Field one in black. It's the auto, so we use the two eight two four, and then right next door here in the watchmakers room, our watchmakers hand tune and or uh, perlage it, mark it the same way that we want it done. Um, yeah, so it's the field one, but I also brought my watch roll in. Perfect, because as a watch guy, uh, one of the great things about this, and and one of our watchmakers brought this up. It's been a while, but they bring it up all the time. Um, is I will kind of wander around here and stuff that they've built. I'll be like, oh, I like that. And I just kind of pull it over and keep it. <laughs> and then I'll say, hey, is this is this for something? And she's like, hey, man, all of these are yours. Like every single one of these watches is yours. All this stuff is yours. You own all of this. So they're all your watches. And I was like, that's a good way to look at it. They're all mine. That's uh, yeah. So if you got a second in the watch roll, uh, we got the white dial diver one. So that's, I've been on the road recently. So these are the ones I took with me. Uh, white dial diver one, same 2824. Uh, the other one was the, oh, the white dial black. That's nice. Yeah. It just, and it's the blacked out hands. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just darker and cleaner. Uh, mm -hmm. As I get older, I need to be able to see things. 
And then uh, just one more slot in here. Oh, and it's a stainless field. So it's the stainless field. Very cool. Version. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I got. Also, we'll get into them later, but I brought some of the ones that I've had for a long time and all of that since I'm a watch guy. That's very cool. Those are some beautiful pieces, man. I mean, obviously one of the things that sticks out right away when you when you see some of these watches is just the... Uh, the unique design to them and the consistent design language across the whole lineup, but just really the sort of like Aries just really sticks out, I guess, in that like tactical watch space. Like it's one of those things where you can kind of see it from across the room. And if you know your tactical watches, you know that that's an Aries. And I always thought that was something that was very interesting. It's hard to do, right? So many yeah. uh, companies, you know, that are, are making uh, watches, they're, they're very derivative of other things. And I feel like when it comes to, to Aries watches, they always, they have their very own unique design language, which I think is something that really translates well into just the pieces you showed. Well, thank you. Uh, that means a lot because that's inherent from the design. So these, to me, these aren't derivative because I drew them, mm -hmm. right? So I like right over here on the other side of this podcast wall is my desk that I can show you. And it's an old drafting table. It's about 100 years old. Got it from a firm. Um, used to be at the firm. Actually, if you've ever flown in and out of SeaTac Airport, SeaTac was drawn on that table. So it's the legacy and history within that table. And right now I'm drawing our chronograph on it. So um, for me, the design is mine from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And when you when you talk about writing or you talk about talking, uh, you talk about someone's art, what I had always heard and what is commonly said is do what you know, write what you know, uh, design what you know. And this is what I knew. I, I knew that when I decided to build a watch company, I knew the Diver One for years before I ever built it. I knew what it would look like. I knew what it would feel like. I knew the the champers it's going to have on it. I knew the lugs. I knew the click of our click plate, what it would be, the radius of the teeth on our bezel. Like I knew it. So when it came time to create it, it was just translating what I knew onto the page. The interesting part about it, where I knew there was a couple of things I did early on that I, I knew would work. And that's when having the prototypes built and having all of those pieces put together for a final, giving it back to the community that I came from and getting the feedback from those guys where it was like, yeah, man, this is a win from crown placement to the bezel that we talked about to just the ratings and the loom. Um, the design aspect of it is it had to meet the envelope that I wanted. Uh, and then in doing that, so, so I used to do training and I know you're a law enforcement guy mm -hmm. and in that training space, when I would create classes, I created classes that I wanted to go to. Like I would build a class that I would have enjoyed being in. Um, and it's the same with the watch. These timers are timers that I wanted to have. If I could have been issued a watch, it's the diver one. If I could have had a field watch, it's the field one. Like these are, it, it's very easy from a design standpoint to just make what you know. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I did with it was just said, this is what works for me. The neat part of that is when I make it to be true to me, because that's the only person I made it for. I made the diver one for me. 
um, it resonates with other people because mm-hmm. you see it and you're like, yeah, man, that's that that also speaks to me, like cars or guns or movies or book types. It's one of those things that within that genre, having that look and that feel, it is it. And I've never said I don't believe I've ever said this publicly. I don't speak publicly about Aries much. Um, but my notes for the Diver One design started with I want to make the 1911 of watches. Mm. I want the Diver One to be the 1911 of watches. The field use, hard use pistol of the 1911 in its functionality and its simpleness and its effectiveness and its iconic design where anytime someone pulls one out, you're like, yep, that's a 1911. Um, and that's what I looked at the diver one with. I want to, I want to build the 1911 watches. Mm-hmm. Um, we're five years in, we're still building them. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's one of those, yeah. inter- one of those interesting things, like, you know, you sort of were able to inform the design through your own experience as well too, right? Like you talk about how you're sort of building this watch, for yourself it's just an added bonus that other people like the watch as well right but it's kind of this this idea that you know when you're when you're coming to the table to to create a watch or you're coming to the table to start your own company it's not so much about like inventing the wheel or reinventing the wheel it's about making a better wheel right and i think that that was one of those things is you took you know this experience that was informed through all the interesting history that you have and the work that you've done and interacting with timepieces, I'm assuming throughout that era of your life, and then figuring out ways in which you could improve and, and iterate on that design in a way that would be more effective. Um, and then you came up with, with obviously some really cool and really interesting designs. Can we, before we kind of get more into the nuts and bolts of, uh, of Aries and how that all came to be, talk, go back in time a little bit and talk a little bit about some of what your, your background and history is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, can you can you kind of start? I guess like just, I guess at the beginning, and then let's just hear yeah. kind of what you've done and where you've been and who you've worked for and some of your experiences you had along the way. Yeah, it's going to be short and concise. Sure. <laughs> um, the so I'm from the Pacific Northwest, born and raised here. Uh, started in law enforcement and worked there uh, until 9/11. After 9/11, went into the Air Marshal program. Uh, worked in the Air Marshal program for four years left the Air Marshal program, went to the CIA, stayed there for almost 14 years, uh, left there in 2018, and uh, started Aries. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's there's some there's some little things in there along the way. But, uh, yeah, started in law enforcement, um, took off after that to the Air Marshal program. So, yeah. Where did you, were you working out in? Yeah. Out here. On, Northwest. Oh, Northwest. Yeah. Nice. And city, what was... and, city and County. Nice. Nice. So I was a city guy and then we were absorbed by the County, worked for the County. And then, uh, after nine 11, the, so pre nine 11, if, if, if you recall or know of the pre nine 11 world in law enforcement, especially in tactics or law enforcement, special operations pre nine 11, if, anything were to happen in and around an aircraft it was closed shop that's going to be handled by in the u.s hrt fbi's hrt uh and uh tiered special operations unit so if there's a a hijacking if there's something going on in an airplane and you're a local swat guy or tactics guy you're not going to be able to see the plane from where your station's like like they're a special group's going to come in they're going to adjudicate that problem and move on 
Um, so post 9-11, specifically, I think it was September 13th of that week, um, I faxed a resume to Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson's office, who she was on the oversight committee. So that's where guys were sending their stuff to um, before they even had set up to be able to have like an interview or an application process. Um, but the the men in that community that I was raised by and mentored by in my career um, came from a tactics background and like anything. So if, if you're good at writing code and you work at a computer company, then you're probably going to be surrounded by people that write code. Mm -hmm. And if you're good at marketing, you're probably going to be in marketing. Well, in law enforcement, I was really good at shooting. So those scores and abilities gave me access to a group of individuals that kind of focused on shooting and tactics. Uh, and that genre or subgenre of those groups, as you know, is its own little world. Mm -hmm. Um, so the people that were mentoring me and that I worked with had come from mostly a military special operations background prior to their law enforcement careers. And when 9-11 kicked off, the the kind of word on the street to a guy like me that was, you know, small town law enforcement, kind of local law enforcement, was that's the gig to go to. Like, that's it. You want you want to have answers on linear assault and hijacking aircraft? Like, there you go. Um so I put in, went online, applied, put in, vetted. Uh, later on when I left, uh, my boss, I worked out of the Chicago field office. So later on when I left, the the boss at the time, and I left because my dad uh, had terminal cancer. I was looking for a transfer out of Chicago back to Seattle to spend time with him before he died. They didn't want to do that. They were like, nope, we're just going to have you stay here. I was like, okay, well, I'll take leave time, right? Like you get family leave. Mm -hmm. Like, nope, nope, we got missions to do. You're not going to do that. I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and he said, hey, 324,000 people applied for your job. If you don't want it, leave. I was like, okay. I got, okay, I could do that. Um, because for me, and I believe this to this day, obviously, it's one of the reasons when I was leaving the agency, in starting Aries is family's extremely important to me. And my relationship with my family is extremely important to me. So being able to spend time with my dad before he dies takes precedent over making sure, you know, that I have that gig, regardless of how cool that gig is, it doesn't really mean anything in the long term. So mm -hmm. um yeah. So there were a lot of people that applied and uh I made it through. So that's loved great. it. Great gig. That's really cool. What did you find about um, the biggest differences were between, I guess, your experience working in the city, working uh, as a rural, and then working, ammo. And then working uh, federal? Yeah, ammo. Ammo. Yeah. 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 In that program, uh, in that program, it came down to ammo. They wanted shooters on planes. Post 9-11, they wanted shooters on planes. So the eight-week basic course, we went through an eight-week eight -week basic course with 30 some 33 32 people um and in eight weeks we fired 2.4 million pistol rounds yeah yeah and uh so i was there four years and went through three duty weapons so i would shoot about 60 to eighty thousand rounds a year um and you just shoot your gun out right like that's just yeah. you know we carried sig 229s at the time i have a duty gun right over there with 
my badge and all of that from that organization. Um, and you're running 60, 70, 80,000 rounds a year. And, uh, that exceeds the life of the pistol. So it was like, Hey, shoot it out, get a new one. Um, so yeah, that was the, that was the difference. So, um, then carrying that from the air marshals into the agency, I thought I shot a lot at the air marshals. It pales in comparison to the life within that organization uh, at the agency. You're never in almost 14 years ever. Was there a discussion on, Hey, we might run out of ammo or Hey, we can't afford that. Like it is a hundred percent focused on what is it, whatever it takes to get the mission done. We're going to support it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun. My hands hurt. <laughs> like I have, uh, I, I don't, I don't enjoy shooting as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. Uh, the volume is significantly lower of shooting. Like the amount of rounds is lower when you're, when you get a bill for it, like when it doesn't come on pallets anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that's the main difference is the, the attention to detail. So when you talk about leaving the local world and going into the government world, the first phase of that we'll talk about, or we can, I'll define between leaving my small town local and going to the air marshals. The two things are the caliber of individual and the dedication to task. So the caliber of the individual was higher and the dedic <clears throat> dedication to task from a resource management side uh, was significantly greater. So when we talk about in that job shooting, every resource was given towards making sure you could run that gun in a confined space. Um, because your task at that time, post 9-11, is you are re-hijacking an airplane. And in order to re-hijack an airplane and not hurt anybody other than the bad people, uh, you got to be pretty good at running that gun in a confined space with a lot of people. Um, so that dedication to task and then the resources to complete that task, then then go from that environment to the agency environment where it is the same dedication to task and the resources just on a, on a global scale that just you can't compare. Um, the resources of both people, gear and equipment, and opportunity within that agency are you, you can't you can't you can't scale them you can't talk about them it is you, people wouldn't understand the level to which um this country and other countries aligned with us put towards fundamental safety if you take the fundamental safety of our country or your country with with guys in your unit up there that do it um every resource right like what are you what are you not gonna throw at that you're like oh, you throw everything at it it's mm -hmm. the same as if in our own family there was a crisis or something happening and you had to throw resources at it what resources would you hold back you'd be like none we'll throw everything at it mm -hmm. and so yeah it was it was neat to see it was a honor to be a part of and there's principles that i've taken from that that i kind of pulled into this so that are that I know work just say, hey, just give watchmakers who translated to Aries when I build this. Hey, get great people. OK, did that. Right. Those people. And then give them resources. OK, so if we were to go in the watchmakers room right now and literally just cold pull them, 
the thing that I say all the time is, hey, what do you need from me to get that done? Like when you're working on something, what do you need? Like, just tell me what you need and I'll get it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't ever. And the other thing I tell them is we're not going to buy something for price or we're not going to build something for price. You know, you hear that buy for price, you buy it twice, you know, especially in the law enforcement or tactics world, guys don't want to pay money mm-hmm. for the top of the line gear. So they buy some knockoff light and then they buy six of them. We call, we say, we call it cry or buy once, cry once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yet you still have that gear, right? Mm-hmm. Like to this day, decades later, you're like, yeah, man, it works because it is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we do here. Hey, if we need a tool for something, then we're going to either buy the best tool available or we're going to create new tooling uh, to fit what we need. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting path from, Mm. from here to there and Mm. back again, actually I'm back where I started. Well, it's, it's interesting to hear. I mean, were watches always something that you were extremely passionate about and interested in, or was that something that developed through your work over time? Like maybe through kit you were issued or like, where did watches start for you? Watches started, uh, if we turn the camera around and push it right through the window, there's a huge farm just south of town that I started working at when I was 12 years old. And I would work summers on the farm, save my money, and that's my contribution to school clothes. So that's also the reason why over here on the wall, I'll even try to, sorry, I'll even try to, back there on the wall is a ton of sets of Air Jordans, because mm. I used to only get one pair of shoes, right? You get your school shoes and that's it. Um, so then the next year you get your next pair of school shoes. So my feet are big enough that when I was like, hey, I actually can buy my own shoes. So now I just have decades long collections of of that shoe. So um, working on the farm, it came into late middle school. I think I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. had all my money uh we went to the mall back when malls used to be a thing and uh it was time to buy school clothes and there was a citizen dive watch i have it i, I looked for it this morning actually to bring to you um i will have it next time we do this uh it's stowed away somewhere and i can't find it but i saw it just a couple of months ago it's a citizen dive watch that was one of their first hybrid analog digital and when you when they had it on display there was a yellow plastic scuba tank that it came with it was the aqualand yeah so when i bought it my mom was like this means you don't get like new shoes you don't get other clothes like we'll buy you socks and underwear but hey man you're blowing your budget on a watch Uh Mm uh-huh so it's not much has changed in 40 years um so have the tank. I think the salesman gave me the tank out of like pity. Like, okay. I think he thought like, Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to give this tank to this kid. Um, So that watch started at all. Still have that watch and still have that tank. Um, And from there it's, I mean, I, I think like any hobby or fascination that people have with something, once it starts, and it hooks you, then it just always hooks you, whether it's music or, you know, record collections or shoes or um, for me, it was watches. I just I always was fascinated by how they work. Um, how do you build them? How do you make them? How do they function? What do they do? Like it was just a thing for me. 
So I've, I've kept a few over the years. I don't have many outside of Aries pieces. Um, but I've kept some of the ones that I had it. I just got a recent one. I'll share this one with you. Um, familiar with Ken Hackathorn. He's a U.S. former Green Beret law enforcement guy. He's like one of the most profound firearms instructors in America's history. Like so the, the name sounds familiar. Like I've seen it on, yeah. on videos. He's got the handlebar like mustache and he right. does all of the... Uh, I was out at his... He, he lives 12 hours away and I was out at his house a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were talking about some weapon systems and uh, one of them is HK. I don't know if you're, mm-hmm. you, I mean, obviously everybody's familiar with HK. So he went back in there and he was like, Hey, here's an HK that I got 30 years ago when he did a project with him. Uh, he's like, I'll give it to you since you just gush over HKs all the time. He's like, you idiot, you can have this one. And I was like, yeah, yeah, thank you. So, uh, and it's an auto to 2824 as well. Um, I think it's a, it doesn't have a brand on it on the back. Hmm. Um, but research, I think it's like either a, a Laco, is it Laco, Laco? Yeah. Laco, Laco or Stova yeah. is another one as well too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So just kind of a flagger. That's very cool. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really, really something special. Huh. That's, yeah. a, that's a cool piece to get. So as you, you started out with this Aqualand and you kind of progressed through watches from there, can you talk a little bit more about some of the pieces that you were either able to pick up or um, you were interested in along the way, or that maybe informed your uh, opinions about design and watches that were important to you when you started uh, Aries? So the law enforcement phase was... Uh, I was a street cop. Mm-hmm. So anything nice on you is getting broken. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, getting, it's getting broken in someone else's blood. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, then it's not going to be nice. So that whole section of time was mostly G-Shocks. And G-Shocks at the time, we're, we're talking early 90s to late 90s. Uh, G-Shocks were just kind of i think within their own brand blowing up into a lot of variety so a lot of different colors a lot of different features a lot of different rubber inclusions so you're getting you know the clears and the whites and the um and i'm a fan of color like i in my color palette i will absolutely so one of the reasons that aries watches have red seconds and red crowns is just that color piece um as a differentiator so uh, that was a lot of G-Shocks. I don't have them anymore. I've looked for them. The only G-Shock I have was a seal issued G-Shock to a friend of mine who was the original T&E guy uh, for Aries. Mm. Um, when the Diver 1 came out, prior to the Diver 1 coming out in the T&E phase, I shipped quite a few out to him and his team uh, from the Navy. They, with, with I think, a handwritten note that said, try to break this. Um, and then he shipped me one of his g-shocks um so that's the only g-shock i have so g-shock stayed through the law enforcement time but i was in love always with sin Mm. so just nice hard use pieces that are Mm. iconic in a look um i personally cannot stand the look of a u1 Okay. Yet I love the design. Yeah. So like I, I, that's just the way it is. So um, it's, it's one of those where 
it, it kind of doesn't make sense from a standpoint where you're just like, man, I, 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 I love the design of it, but I, I just can't, I can't do it. Uh, we had one in the shop the other day, locally, people will bring stuff in to get fixed. Um, we had one in and I was like, man, I love this thing, but it just isn't for me. So uh, I think you could appreciate, like, again, it's sort of that, that element of like Zinn's gone on and been able to create a unique look. They've been able to kind of uh, identify their own design language and do something yeah. cool with it. And then also there's like the, the materials, like things like the tegumentation of their cases and stuff. Yeah. Like that. I have a, I have a U50 T uh, okay. which is fully tegumented. So um, I got the check. I got the chance. I was in Virginia recently and I got the chance to check out a U1 off a, a Navy diver buddy of mine. And, it's really cool, but man, is it heavy and thick. And I was like, I think, yeah, I think, and I he, think he's had that for a while. He's had that for a long time. He <laughs> loves, he loves that thing. And I will say and we're not even, we're not, I haven't even asked you, but I think I know who that guy is. And I think he's had it for a minute. So. Yeah. It holds up well, um, but I mean the, uh, but yeah, the, um, the U 50, I, I got to say, it's an awesome piece. I kind of get what you mean about like, um, loving the design, but it being sort of weird that to me, like I've been in watches so long now and I, I've tr- tried just about everything I've ever wanted to try or some variation of. So now that's sort of my thing is like, I love hard use tool watches with a unique design. So yeah. that's kind of my, so, so to me, it's sort of like the U50 is just a natural fit. Um, it's different from all the, you know, sub variations and, and, and Seamaster variations and things that are out there, but they have something really unique, much, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier about the design of Aries watches. Like, I feel like, again, it's one of those things that there's just nothing else out there that looks like that. It really is just its own thing standalone, which I think is hard for companies to do and is commendable when it's executed well. Well, the, the, it goes to the core foundation of what is your timer going to be. Mm-hmm. So with that, and in, in, you just said it, there's a Seamaster look, there's a Tudor look, there's a um, Explorers and, and Subs, all of that stuff is a, they've been around so long mm-hmm. and are so iconic that you can get a catalog and order the case. Mm-hmm. And so then if, if I were to say to you, Eric, you're going to design, you're going to build your own watch company. Are you using a catalog case or your own case? And here's some of the problems that's that's been through the growth that we've had that have had big stumbles mm-hmm. in. And it starts with the question of, do you want to build a watch or do you want to build a watch company? Because mm-hmm. they're entirely different things. And I wanted to build a watch company. So in doing that, I can't, from a design standpoint, being true to me, I can't take a catalog case and make someone else's tutor. Like it just doesn't work for me. My case is my design because that's what I see when I close my eyes and I think of the watch I'm going to make, it's drawing that case. So, and that case is somewhat unique within that genre. I think you could put a diver one case with a U one with a, um, like a Tudor Pelagos or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, and I see. think if you stripped it all away and just had the case sitting there, I think you could definitively say this is who makes those cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's kind of the derivative of what that has to become from a business. Hey, man, mm-hmm. are we just ordering cases out of a catalog or are we building our own case? Because in building your own case, you got your own problems. 
Um, it's a lot easier to let somebody else do it or to buy it from something. And as opposed to saying, Hey man, let's start turning steel. I mean, that's insanity. Uh, well, that's sort of an interesting, and that's an interesting, um, you know, kind of segue into where I wanted to get into next with the very beginning of Aries watch code. Like, you know, there's gotta be sort of that temptation when you're starting out to just sort of cut that corner and let someone else have already done the design or pick your parts from a catalog or something like that. Um, you have to make that informed decision to start either a watch to make a watch or start a watch company. But like, obviously the, the, the cost, the startup cost of, of starting your own watch company is significantly different from just picking parts out of a catalog, putting it together. And there are lots of companies out there. There's companies out there whose entire model still to this day is just making watches that look like other watches. And they do, they do reasonably well. Um, but it's sort of like, you don't really have, the soul of the owner or the designer in that you're sort of just making money off of somebody else's, you know, soul and just putting your own name on it. Right. And I feel like that's one of the things that's always um, stuck out to me about certain brands is the ones that actually put in the effort, like you said, to start their own company and make something that's actually unique in the space, not just putting a variation on a previous design. Right. Um, what was those, what were those early days of Aries like for you? And what were some of the early challenges you had to go through a, coming into this series of, it's a series of poor decisions. I yeah. mean, it's just like, sure. it's just like people talk about even my law enforcement career. How do you go from small town law enforcement to like the agency? And I'm like a series of poor life decisions. Like it's just all in there. Um, the issue with us in me in wanting to build Aries as a company mm -hmm. means you're going to have to build all those components. But realistically, when you're not funded, Right. I'm not a trust fund baby. Right. I just talked about how I was working in spinach fields and, you know, all of that from 12 years old. So uh, my dad was a firefighter. My mom drove a bus. So that's the that's the financial legacy that I was raised in. Um, the issue becomes resources and resource management. Mm -hmm. And in that resource management, it becomes what do you attribute where if you have a, a limited pot of funds, where can you put it? So for me early on is we're putting it in the cases, right? Like we still use uh, RC TriTech, the Super Luminova. So our dials are still Swiss. Our movements are Swiss. Our quartzes are the Ronda movement. We use the 10-year lithium-ion Ronda and then the 2824s. Uh, or the 2893s and the GMT. So I knew very early on, we're not making movements, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not a, just like a gun manufacturer, man. I'm not going to go out and try to make ammo. Mm -hmm. Like that's, people make ammo. Uh, so I knew we weren't going to make the engine. We need to make the parts. So um, in doing that, it became what part of that design can we make? Mm -hmm. Which goes from, fundamentally in building the company, what are you actually able to do? And so for me, if any of these watches that we own exist, then how do they exist? Are they turned on a lathe? Are they cut on a CNC? Are they stamped? Are they injection molded? If we start talking about G-Shocks or the new polymer thing that I'm working on for us. Um, and then it becomes kind of back to that self-assessment of what can I perform, mm -hmm. right? And, and I that's a benchmark that I've used my entire life. You use it in your career. Hey, man, am I actually able to do this? 
Like I'm thinking of something in the environment I'm in right now, say it's a tactical response or a decision. Am I able to pull that off? And you have that voice, you have that internal caliber that says yes or no. Um, And it was like, okay, what can we chunk off here? Knowing. So the first thing I did when I sat down to build Aries was I wrote out our plan Mm -hmm. and I wrote that plan, which I think is rare. And I don't know anyone else that has started a business that talks about it in this way. When I sat down and I mapped Aries, I wrote that plan for 25 years. And when I talked to my wife and our kids and said, this is what I think we can do. I said, I'm willing to put in the first 25 years of executing this plan. And here's the steps we're going to find along the way. And here's the barriers. Here's the hurdles. Here's the wins. And I'm willing to execute it all the way out to those 25. I think people in, from my experience, and we'll go back to the air marshals. If you're getting on an airplane in a city in North America and you're going to fly overseas and there may be an event on your aircraft Do you plan for the first five minutes? Do you plan for the first two hours? Do you plan for the entire 14-hour flight? And that's what I brought here, knowing the resources that you have to throw at stuff from like an agency background. Hey, man, we're going to start at Aries biting off some things that either we can afford or we can't. And if we can't afford them, then we're not going to do them. We're going to find a way to do them within what we have. So case design. I can draw that case. I can take that case to a machinist and I can say, what's the best way we can make these? And it becomes our Diver One case starts life as a, as a fine blank. Mm-hmm. So that metal is stamped like, right? The old videos of World War II where they're making tanks and airplanes. And it's like, so that heavy weight comes down, stamps those out, kicks them out. And then we machine from that blank. I don't have one on the desk here. Uh, we machine from that blank the two operations or three operations on the CNC machine to get it to the final size of what you see. But the lugs don't change. The chamfers don't change. The issue with that is, and where did I put my watch roll? The issue with that goes to, on this case, are you able to see the stainless case or the black case better when I hold this up? Looks, so, looks good. Yeah. On this case, the where the lugs meet the case mm-hmm. is a hard angle. Mm-hmm. We see that like the interior lug comes in, meets that curve, that radius at a hard angle. Mm-hmm. That hard angle in those lugs are never touched once it's on the CNC. So that fine blank comes with that internal geometry already there because mm-hmm. From a resource side, we could machine that angle, but to machine it, guess how much longer it has to sit on the machine that from a business side, you're just throwing money to let that thing turn. You're like, this is ridiculous. Um, So it exponentially increases your machine time and cost unless you went back to the way the case is formed to begin with. Is it coming from a solid bar, a two and a quarter steel? Or is it a stamped fine? And so we use a stamped fine. Um, Totally changed that when I went to make in the field watch. So in the field watch, that same radius is gone. Here, I'll show you. It looks really good on this. Mm. 
See how now it's a curve? Mm-hmm. Try to yeah. get it. Yeah. So with on the, that. On the inside of the lugs there. Yeah. I see on that. the inside of the lug is a full curve. Yeah. So from that is the difference between how we manufacture a field one. We manufacture, the, we manufacture a field one on the lathe. It's a two and a quarter inch bar that is full bar stock 316 stainless. And then it mills down. Op one right off the front. Actually, op one's the back. Op two is the front. Um, as opposed to the diver one, which is already stamped and done there. So in needing to have the semantic difference of the case design, meaning both of these from the outside are identical, but from inside those lugs are entirely different. Mm-hmm. So this lug design on a field just speaks field. Like mm-hmm. you can just put that outline up. It's the outline of uh, uh, a 911 Porsche or, you know, a different body style. And then you're like, nope, that's it. Those mm-hmm. are the that curvature within that radius. So um, for me at the beginning, it was knowing we don't have the resources to chunk off, to bite off every aspect in-house. We still don't make dials in-house because why? They're better made where they're made, mm-hmm. right? The best companies in the world is making the loom and printing the dials. Why would I be either ignorant or arrogant enough to believe that we're going to do that? Mm-hmm. Now we're moving towards doing that, um, but it's a process within that 25-year plan that we know, okay, cases and case components, we got movements. We know that they're coming from Swiss. We're never, well, I'm not going to say never because we'll do it, but we're not going to cut crystal. Yeah. Well, I'm here. We're not cutting crystal. Like it is, that's ridiculous. There are companies globally that can cut crystal. The The amount of money that it would take to get the machines to cut crystal and do our own crystal would never make sense um, for what we're able to do with the people that professionally make crystal for our timers. Um, let the people, and this is one of the tenets from the agency that I was exposed to very early on. We're going to fill this room with people that are specialists in what they do. Mm-hmm. We'll then give them the resources to do their job. Mm-hmm. And so for me here at Aries, we're going to fill this room with specialists with what they do. So the machinist that is less than a mile down the street that cuts steel every day is the best guy to cut steel, right? It's not me. It's him. So let him cut steel to what we need, give him all the resources he needs to do it, and then drive on. Um so that's where we're at. That's And that's what we're going to continue to do. And we're going to continue to bring in-house every little aspect of that that we can. And the only litmus test I'm going to use is, are you better to do it or am I? Mm-hmm. Because if you're better to do it and it's what's best for the mission timer, then there you go. Like that question kind of answers itself, right? Like, hey, man, what's best for the project? Not me saying, well, I know I'm always what's best for the project. That's absolutely i mean i'm i'm one of the dumbest guys i know so it's one of those where it's like hey man what works best for the project with the resources we have yeah well being able to kind of recognize kind of like you said just who's exactly who's going to do this better who's going to create the 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 best quality product for what i need at the end of the day so i can kind of bring together the sum of its parts and create you know, this item that, that I want to be able to bring to the consumer. Right. And I think that's something you see, you know, very, um, 
very often in the watch space as well. I mean, realistically, yeah, like it, it's, it's a whole other operation to be able to make your own dials. It's a whole other operation to be able to cut your own crystal, even movement manufacturing. I mean, I think the average cost of a movement from uh, design all the way to production is like a million and a half dollars. But with a million and a half dollars, you can do a lot of stuff with, yeah. the, with the watch company, right? You don't need to worry about something like that, especially when it's, you know, um, I look like, like when you, when you look at, independent brands you look at micro brands or things like that it's almost like when you see things like the ronda movements or, or the etas or or salida it's almost like, i look at them almost like a, like a crate motor from chevy 100%. or ford right that's it's yeah. like it's like someone else is going to specialize in just making this thing that yeah. works and it's serviceable and it's easy to take care of and things like that it's like when you see people do like ls swaps on yeah. import cars right it's like well they're doing that a because it's a great product and b because you're never going to run out of LS motor parts, right? That's something that's easy to take care of. But when you're creating a piece um, that is for people who just want to have something reliable, well-made and cool that they can rely on when they're doing their job, they don't need to have some fancy hot horology, whatever. They don't care where the crystal is made. They don't care where the dial is made. They care that it works and that it's reliable. So add the layer to that now, put the hat on that you're the business, right? Mm -hmm. You're the business. Uh, you're using, what software do you use to do your podcast right now? Zoom. Why don't you create your own software? I don't know how to you're design like, software. <laughs> so it's one of those where it's like, from a business standpoint, if you were to try to get customers, if you were to try to get people to come on your podcast, and in addition to convincing them to do that, mm. you also had to convince them of, hey man, I write my own code and this is what we're going to use to do it. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, man, why don't you just, so for me, if we even attempted to make an in-house movement, I not only have to convince you of the merits of the diver one or the field one on its own, I now have to convince you of the movement. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Hey man, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, again, I'm not arrogant or ignorant enough to believe that I'm going to make a better movement than the 2824. Mm -hmm. It isn't going to happen. Like it may happen. We may 50 years from now, a hundred years from now as an established house of making watches. Sure. Knock that out. I mean, next door, the watchmakers are fully certified. They come from the two-year college. Like it is, they're as good as anybody in doing this. Um, yeah, great. And I support it. I would go back to what resources do you need for me to get that done mm -hmm. and then tell them to drive on. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's the same as what you're talking about with the crate engines. I mean, I have a Land Cruiser, and as soon as the engine dies in that, I'm dropping a Cummins in it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's ready to go. And it's like, Cummins isn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So why would I try to do something that I know is another barrier to entry and another set of problems? One of the things that I bring to Aries is the ability to look at our current issue whether it's a good issue or a bad issue and exponentially follow that path down the road so if the diver one case is one part and the bezel is another part that also has a spring and a click plate and then a case back and a gasket and a spacer and a crown and a crown tube and then those two gaskets, like all 
of those things, if you do the math on the exponential problems that can come from just trying to get all of those parts to work together, why would you add a movement with 180 parts in it that you're now trying to make on your own? Yeah. It just seemed like, hey, man, deal with the problem. Like from basic law enforcement through building watches, deal with the issue in front of you. Mm -hmm. When you're done with that issue, move on to the next one. If you have something. So one of the things that I used to teach and talk about was we work our problems near to far and big to small. Mm -hmm. So a big problem up close to me takes precedent over a small problem far away. Mm -hmm. And that's translated right into Aries. What can we deal with right here? That is a problem that we need to fix right away. Cause it's a big problem up close versus a small problem far away. I think, I think it sort of it sort of speaks to that, and it's in the law enforcement circles, it's in the special forces circles, and things like that. It's that kiss method, right? It's that keep right. it simple, stupid, right? It's just like you just yeah. you just focus, you know, remove all the superfluous yeah. fluff. Just of, use the light switch. Exactly. Just right. figure just... figure out figure out what makes sense mm -hmm. and just do that thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, that's a great that's a great point. It's a very very insightful. Why did you settle on the name Ares? I mean, obviously there's, you know, the, the Greek god of war and that whole connotation thing. But I mean, you could pick any name in the world. Why did that name hold significance for you to name your watch company after? My wife's an English teacher. And while I was sitting around coming up with a business plan of what we're going to do and looking at all of the things that we could call this company, mm -hmm. she from across the room said, you should name it Ares. And I was like, come on, like what? I'm an Aries, you're a Sagittarius, let's rub tummies. Like, what do you, this is, this is ridiculous. She's like, no, dummy, Aries, the Greek god of war. Hmm. I was like, oh, teach me. What are you talking about? So there you go, Aries. There you go. Simple. And so we can, yeah, and we can get into the symbology of it. So this is a discussion I've never had publicly. Um, the Aries A mm -hmm. is an arrow. Mm -hmm. So the broad mark on issued gear from the Ministry of Defense is broad a broad arrow. There yeah. you go. So that's the homage to the old Cabot Watch Company and all of the pieces that have that broad arrow on the back, the Submariners or the Omegas that have that broad arrow stamped in there is the Aries A is the broad arrow. Hmm. Um, so from a design aesthetic, there you go, man. I always right? thought this is I like was, finding was, out Stonehenge is like the original Netflix. It's interesting. You're like, what? <laughs> well, I always thought it was sort of like I always thought it was like a Delta Force influence or something like that. Yeah. Kind of. But no, yeah. that's really that's really interesting. Huh? Yeah, that's really cool yeah. to know. That makes a lot of sense. Over the five years that Aries has been in operation now, I mean, you you've been able to overcome all sorts of hurdles. We talked a little bit about the hurdles of starting the company and, and the considerations you had to have already. What have been some of the defining moments along the way? Uh, for Aries Watch Co, where we've seen development, maybe we've seen some challenges and we've seen some big wins that have happened as well, too. Yeah. So a win to you and a win to me are entirely different. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's an internal win here and then the, what is viewed as an external. I'm only concerned with the internal. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing here. So one of the issues we ran into, we did a collaboration with a company a couple of years ago that a we, we, it was kind of a, a the perfect storm of events had gone on. We had found a local steel cutting shop, a manufacturing shop that was doing aerospace and defense. So they are literally 15 minutes away from us. They're involved in those two industries. They do it very well. And 
I had initially gone there. Uh, we've made for a number of years, we've made uh, Diver One for the FBI SWAT guys. Mm. So it has some unique uh, engraving on it. It has some stuff specific to their unit and group. Um, so I had gone there wanting to source a place to Cerakote stuff and also laser engrave certain things. Um, and lo and behold, find out from the owner that they also are an aerospace and defense company and he's a, a watch and clock guy so he was like hey we can cut all of your parts here in-house 15 minutes from you hmm. intriguing right like is that something you'd be like yeah man let's run this to ground Certainly. right yeah. yeah like hey boss guess what this guy says he can do and you're like hmm. well let's get him in here let's see what we got so um so we started that process down that road mm-hmm. Now that's a behind the scenes. So while that behind the scenes was going on, uh, in front of the scenes, we were doing a collaboration with a company and, uh, we were introducing a watch with them in numbers. I think the 150 or 300 watches across the brand. Um, and we were using the parts from this new collaboration with machining and it didn't go well. Like the parts that we got, we we were initially supposed to get, let's say we were initially supposed to get 500 cases from this manufacturer uh, within 30 days. We got 100 cases from this manufacturer in six months. Okay. Hmm. Let's say that there was a manufacturer that was supposed to provide eight different operations on cases and parts, cases and case backs and crowns and such eight different operations and from those eight operations we only got one operation and of the one we only got 25 percent of that and of those 25 percent that showed up they were a shit show mm-hmm. so we test everything in house we build everything we we have all of that done right here right next door um and when we what we found was when we started to ship some of those watches the case alignment of the bezel to the dial to the case would come out of battery basically to where after using it, wearing it, using it, using it more than we would use it when we're manufacturing it, you would get this skew Mm -hmm. where the 12 o'clock pip on our bezel, which is an arrow and the Aries a wouldn't align. Mm. And like wouldn't align. Like you look at it and you're like, what is that? Um, but it's not on every one. So of the cases that we got, I think we identified it at 2.65% or something like that of everything that went out the door. Now, that issue, and you're you're tacitly involved in this because you're a social guy, right? You have the channel, you you know the pace of or the pulse of the industry and things. So forums and groups and all of this stuff within that brand's group and crowd it kind of was hey guys the word went out we're like hey guys none of this works Mm. and we were like what are you talking about i was actually on the road in the midwest at another manufacturer at the time that i saw it and it was like okay here's the problem these aren't aligning and it's like it has to align like fundamentally it has to align right it's drilled parts like it it has to work the first 
batch that we received from that place was perfect. Um, and I think that was a hundred cases. The first 100 cases we had were perfect, flawless. Um, the next batch that we got that we spot tested, right? If the hundred of them that you do a hundred percent testing on are perfect, then the next hundred you get, do you need to do 100 again? We're like, no, we can spot test those. So within that spot test, it wasn't or wasn't apparent to us during a build, during a test, and then during fulfillment. But as guys started to use them, like you wear the watch, you use it, you know, it just was like, hey, man, this is kind of manifesting. It's not lined up. So it became from a public side, one of the things we had to deal with is we would get timers sent back to us unopened in the box. We have a security seal that goes on the edge of the box that it's security tape. So if you try to peel it off, it shows you try to peel it off. We would get unopened full sealed watches with notes that said, Hey man, I heard this isn't, this isn't working. You're like, yeah, it's working just fine. You haven't even opened it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's 2.65% of 300 or 500. So that like, it can't, the math doesn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, Hey man, like this isn't manifesting to the level that the world says it's manifesting to. So that was happening on that happening publicly, privately behind the scenes, and this is a huge win. We, I love to talk about it in here. We, from Jump Street, went back to every single drawing and aspect of design of the Diver One case from day one. Hmm. We redrew it, re-engineered it, recut it retested it, reprogrammed everything. We, in the span of, I believe it was 32 days, had fully built an entire new Diver 1 from scratch and said to a different manufacturer, the, or one that's less than a mile down the road now, hey man, let's let's make these. So, and got it off the ground and running and cut and done and fulfilled. So, um yeah. So from a win standpoint, that was, in, that was, that was amazing. Uh, it's one of those things that, that we as a shop love from a standpoint, if somebody came to you with a blank sheet of paper and said, fix this, and you had it for 30 days to be, it would be like an F1 having that car pull in and be like, nope, do the, we don't know where the problem's coming from. Do it all again. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was an issue. Um, we have one of the watches I wear. It's not in my role. I normally wear it every day is from that collaboration. And it was a watch that was sent back eight times to us with feedback of, Hey man, this isn't working. And we would say, what's not working for you? Cause we're seeing that it works fine. Nope. It's not working. It gets sent back again. Now what I'm not telling you or portraying to you is the way that that was spoken to us. Right? Like, so if you're just an asshole in life, mm -hmm. then you're going to be an asshole when you interact with other people, sure. right? It goes to character. So the, the way that this, so this watch came back eight times, uh, we were hearing and seeing so much of this piece that our watchmakers took it back to the college, took it back to the place where they actually teach Swiss watchmakers mm -hmm. and said, Hey, here's what someone is saying is going on with this watch find out what's wrong with it 
And it across the board came back as, hey, man, nothing's wrong with this. So we built for that one individual, we, what I had them do, which, so the school has a way that they wanted to address it, you know, like from an information standpoint and a learning standpoint, for me coming from the agency, probably know what I did was like, hey, build another one, clone it. If it has clasp marks on the clasp, make those marks again, make Mm -hmm. it to where if you put one next to the other, you could not differentiate between them and mail him the brand new one and see what he says. Mm. And we sent him the brand new one and he was like, nope, this is still doing this and this and this. And you're like, it can't, it can't, right? It's not that like, it can't, it's not even the same thing. So then I know the veracity of your information, right? right? You're an interrogator. What does that say to the veracity of your information? It's questionable. Yeah. Yeah. At best. best. Right. Like it mostly you'd just walk out of that room and you'd say what? That guy's full of shit. Yeah. Right. It lends lends back to the whole trust, but verify thing. At this point you can't verify it. Right. Cause he's a dick. It sounds like so. Yeah. So we, uh, so that's the one I wear every day. Mm -hmm. Typically that's the one I wear every single day because that's the one that it was like, Hey man, this thing's a piece of shit in the world. And the reality is, hey, man, the pros back here and the other people that wore it in the test phase and all of that are like, that's one of the best things I've ever had. You're like, yeah, there you go. So you're waiting to so, see uh, You're waiting to see for this thing to finally fail the way this guy was saying it was and it just yeah. happened to hit. Yeah. That's oh, interesting. That's, that's, that's an interesting yeah. story. So how do you like, I guess, you know, one of the things that it sounds like sort of happened as a result of, of some of these collaborations where there were some failure rates and things that didn't really work out the way they were, they were intended to, like, how do you respond or deal with the community feedback or, and the negative community um, sentiment, I guess, in certain groups that developed uh, for you to have to deal with that as, as a company owner and, and as someone who has to address that when it comes to these people going well, out we fix and, it. and doing, but doing things like that, where it's like, um, where you have people that are, are saying there's problems where there aren't right. And, yeah. how, and how are you? We fix the problems that are problems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And anything outside of that, we can't fix. Mm-hmm. Like I can't fix your opinion of Aries, mm-hmm. even when we're done with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if you have the way the regardless of what I say or what I do or what we give you or what you build or what you do with us, mm-hmm. it's still going to be, how you feel about the brand, about the people, about the piece. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I can't do that. I can't make you happy with me, right? This is the core of like human interaction. I can't make you happy with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we can do is make sure the timer works. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we do. So we fix it. We replace it immediately. That's why we have a lifetime warranty Mm -hmm. is just like, so one of the ways when I introduce the company to give you more kind of like a better feeling of spending your money with us is it's a lifetime warranty. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, okay, we have this watch that works within this performance envelope, right? Tested, working, all of that. So that case in particular, specifically, when that individual had an issue and they sent it back and said, hey, fix this, we fix it. And it goes right back out. Like, hey, there you go, man. We fix it. And to that point, we re-engineered an entire case to make the product entirely new again. Scrap it, go back to white paper, and make something brand new. Mm -hmm. So from that, 
you have to get to a point where you look at yourself and I say, am I doing everything I can to make this right? Yeah, I am. Like, I think even externally, someone could look at that and say, yeah, you're, you're going, you're doing more than you need to do to be able to make that work. Um, and so that's what we do. And the other side of that is there's two voices that I can listen to. I can listen to my internal voice or I can listen to someone's external voice and someone's external voice didn't get us here. Mm -hmm. Right. The internal voice is the voice that gets us building the company to the point that we're building to be able to deliver what we deliver. So, um, well, I think you, I think even internally as a business owner as well too, right. I mean, there's two voices you can listen to as well, which is the, you know, I can own my side of this interaction and conduct myself professionally and courteously and do my best. Or I could listen to my ego as well and tell this guy to go fuck himself. Right. Right. So you you really have two sides that you can sort of listen to uh, in that sense. And then, you know, further to that, like, I'm sure you've heard, I'm sure you've either used or heard this many times in your former career in law enforcement is the saying that it takes two to tango, right? And you have to own, you have to own your own side of that interaction, right? And it sounds like that's what you're doing. Like you can't control what this other guy says or does or or what, whatever his deal is, but you can control how. Well, he could be an asshole, but it doesn't mean it's not performing. Like that can still be true. Both things can be true. Mm -hmm. Number one, you're a dick. And two, the the watch is off. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't. you're never not going to be a dick mm. apparently. Right. But I can, I can address the fact that the watch is off. Mm. And so for us, that's what we did. Uh, fundamentally changed the way that we create the diver one, mm. um, which was really good, which, which is, I think is a huge win. Mm. Um, and then you just move forward from it. So in, and that's one of the things that we constantly try to work on to do is, So when I was teaching, when I was teaching firearms and tactics, if you were my student, if you came through selection, if you went through the program and you failed, Mm -hmm. is that your failure or is it mine? And I always took the position of that's our failure. If we're not able to cultivate you through a program, then what did we do wrong? Mm -hmm. It translated to your performance of not being able to meet the standard. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same holds true here. So that's the same character that I had there with that is the same character we have here. What did we do wrong? And then what do we need to address to fix it? If there are things that are real and tangible, then we will real and tangibly fix them. If there are things that aren't, right? Like if it just isn't, if it's just a ghost issue, if you're mailing me back a watch that's never been opened and you're like, hey, man, I heard there's a problem with this. No, there's not. Hmm. Um then those are things that we're not able to address, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not, I can't make you a better person, but I can let you, I guess, be able to look at a watch and know what time you were a dick. <laughs> I mean, like that's... Fair enough, fair enough. That's cool. It's interesting to also hear about sort of, again, like the iterative uh, process as well, too, of almost redesigning the diver yeah. one as well. Right. And sort of, yeah. I'm assuming, I'm assuming there are ways too, in which you could find further efficiencies in the new design yeah. as well, that, that made things even easier or made an even better product as well. Um, you know, it's very interesting. I mean, I think that that's one of the things too, that people, um, I mean, obviously I've interviewed, I've, I've almost 150 interviews out now. I've talked to a lot of people in the, in the, the watch space in the manufacturing space in the independent watch side of things. And, um, I think that's one of the things that like 
when you're making a product, there's always going to be a failure rate. There's yeah. always going to be a certain degree of there better of, be. Well, there's uh, there's always yeah. going to be um, people who get not you know a lemon or get something that didn't that passed inspection, but maybe doesn't pass day to day wear in life and things like that. And that's always going to be the case. Even Rolex, who is the the, yeah. the the industry standard, still puts out pieces once in a while that they don't work or there's a problem or the the gasket leaks or whatever, and your watch is wrecked, right? And and all you can do is control how you respond to that as a company and as a, as a business owner and, and, and remedy those issues. Right. So I think that um, while it sucks to be the person who gets that, you know, one in 300 or, or to get that yeah. one in a thousand, a little bit of like grace and understanding as well too, and giving a company the opportunity to make it right is an important thing too. That's how sort of you can own your half of the interaction as a consumer while you're expecting the company to own their half of it as the producer. Um, yeah. So I think that that's, we had the we had that issue. Uh, we had some second hands that were falling off. When we sourced the original Diver One hands, mm -hmm. the on the company that made the hands mm -hmm. um, had outsourced it to two other vendors. Okay. So when we got the batch of hands to put on the movements, they were mixed. Mm -hmm. But you don't know whose is who, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a big Vada ammo. They're mm. like, hey, man, these are all nine mil. Who made what? Mm. So we build the watches, and within a an amount of time, we get feedback from guys who are like, hey, man, my second fan fell off. We're like, that doesn't, that's not normal. Mm -hmm. um, so then it became, as we went down that info trail, because because the way that I'm going to address it is we're immediately going to fix it, yeah. right? That's my immediate response. Fix it, right? Like, fix it. Let's figure it out and fix it. Then the analytical response is why did it happen, mm -hmm. right? If you're true to your craft, you're going to go back and look at why did this happen? Mm -hmm. What, whether I'm sighting in a rifle and shooting a qualification, hey man, why is that one hitting over that, right? Where'd that round come from? And why did it happen? And you either address those things or you don't, right? And then you talked about that from like a character standpoint. Hey, man, you're either going to just ignore it because of ego or you're going to fix yourself. Mm -hmm. So in the aspect of us fixing ourselves, we got word that they had outsourced it themselves. Mm -hmm. So when we got the trays of hands, there's just no way in knowing what it was. Um, yet, interestingly enough, so the, the the vitriol that we take for having a secondhand fall off, right? As a new brand that's trying to be in this space, um, you then get, and you know this from all the watches that you've owned and been in around the community, what brand has never had a secondhand fall off, right? Right. The mm -hmm. the sin that we, the U1 that we had in here the other day that I said was worked on came directly from the factory and the hand wasn't on. Um and so the guy came to us and was like, hey, man, I'm tired of this thing sitting in customs and going back and forth. Will you just fix it? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's one of those where it's it's almost like, uh, I don't know if you have any siblings, but I have an older brother. And it's like the sun always shines on somebody and then somebody else gets the rain cloud. Um, but for us, for me, as part of the tenet of what we do here, it's fix the problem mm -hmm. first, right? It's tactics. Hey, man, I got to fix this problem now. So fix the problem now, and then what are you working to assure that we don't have the problem again? Because mm -hmm. you know what, I don't like problems. Mm -hmm. Like I would like, let's not have those problems. Yeah. Um, 
And that goes to like, what do we do in house? What do we do externally? What can we control and not control? I can only control what we do and how we deal with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Outside of that, you know, there's our door. You're welcome to come here and have a chat. Right. That's great. It's very, very interesting. I think that's, that's a great, great response and sort of a great explanation of the way Aries deals with uh, these issues as they come up. And I think it's important to get that information out there as well, too, for anyone who maybe the only, the only um, bit of information they've heard about that has come from some of the sour grapes yeah. in the community. Yeah. Now they can hear it straight from you. So I think that's really important. I want to go. Well, I look at, before you jump into that, it makes me think of, and I don't, I should say this more, I guess, and this is an opportunity to say it. I look at our timer as a piece of kit. It's a, mm-hmm. you're a law enforcement guy. It's a piece of kit in your kit. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the way that you address every other piece of kit you have, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know what sidearm you're issued or carbine you're issued or anything like that. But when you have an issue with your Glock, like you don't pick up the phone and I know him, but call the guy that's running Glock and be like, hey, man, mm-hmm. fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just right. uh, um, and you mentioned, I think the most important you used a term earlier, and I think it's the most important term you can use and we can use and people can use in anything. And that is the word grace. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I need to have here in house is grace with that. Because for the longest time, you've heard the phone ring a couple of times for the longest time, no other person in Aries. And it was a rule. No other person in Aries is going to answer the phone. It's going to be me mm-hmm. because the type of interaction that people would give on the phone why do I need to have that go to a watchmaker? Mm-hmm. Here's someone who can create time with their hands, mm-hmm. right? It's still amazing and cool and beautiful. And it's just, I'm enamored by it. I'm going to, you know, have one of them get on the phone and have that same individual talk to them. Like, no, mm-hmm. like you can talk to me, right? You can tell me I'm a piece of shit all day and it's okay. Right. I know who I am, especially at this point in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what we'll do for you. So, for me, it's the Aries watches or pieces of kit. If you have an issue with your piece of kit, bring it back to the armory. Mm-hmm. We'll fix it. We'll give it back to you and you move on. Mm-hmm. And you can compare and contrast um, the individual whose you one you were wearing the other day. You can compare and contrast the groups of people that we issue timers to and build timers for in the operational world. Right in their interactions with us and then those outside of that community. Mm-hmm. And I think you would know the difference in how that skews. It's 100%. like, hey man. And and so for us, it's like we don't care who you are, what background you have, or why you're wearing our watch. Our job is to support you in wearing it. Um, however, comma, right? Like it is a piece of kit. And if you're using a piece of kit, you're gonna hit bumps you're going to run into issues with it and then we just take care of it like yeah. move the move the fuck on buddy stuff's going to happen right if you're wearing it to do an operational gig stuff's going to get damaged if you want it to stay perfect and pristine you have to keep it in a safe right like this yeah. it, it's just if you're going to you're going to do life with your watch stuff's going to happen right yeah. that's, that's 100% i i totally appreciate that and i get that i think that's an important um it speaks to the mindset of of what you would like to see from the consumers and sort of who you're trying to target with, think with your marketing and with your pieces. So I think that's really interesting to hear as well. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some cool collabs you've been able to have the opportunity to do, and then I want to get into design. So, I mean, obviously um, there was discussion about some collabs that maybe didn't go so great, but 
one We're of the gonna white, go get the tomahawks. I was I was gonna say <laughs> the one the one that I think is like super we'll freaking cool. And I'm a big fan of, of obviously his books, and I'm a huge fan of the of the show, uh, the Terminalist. Jack Carr. Jack is Jack is like a guest I would love to have on the show one day. He just followed me last week, and I had totally geeked out and fangirled. But I would, ah, oh, thank you. But I would absolutely love love to have him um, on the show one day. And I think he's such Great a cool guy. dude. And and it's tremendous. You had the opportunity to work with him and and sort of have this this partnership with him. So can you talk a little about how? That came to be um what your i don't know how we found each other i mean i i think i know we have a mutual friend in the community and i i think that's kind of how we found each other mm-hmm. um but from there it's been one of the interesting things about that is there's a business relationship and then there's a personal relationship which is which has been kind of neat mm-hmm. uh been able to build a personal relationship with him as a friend and uh consider him one i think he's a i think and i'm a book nerd so a hundred percent uh am all over books and writing uh of what he does so um i've been able to spend time with him uh regularly a couple times a year i'll be down at his house and hang out uh go over collabs go over future designs things that are going on go over previous we nerd out on watches like i bring watch rolls um, we've sat in his closet and gone through stuff that he's had since high school on what, like it is, it's everything you would want to sleep over to be. Um, it's amazing. So, um, yeah, it, it was a great opportunity and from a real standpoint, he doesn't need to show us any grace or favor, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't like you've read his books, you've watched his movies or his show, um, there, he can do whatever he wants to do and he chooses this. So that says a lot. Um, and so the respect and admiration I have for him on multiple levels is, is really big. Uh, great guy, great stuff. Uh, a lot of good stuff coming out and, uh, yeah. That's wild. That's really so, cool to be, uh, to be able to do that and, and to kind of have that, uh, a collaboration and sort of be in that circle of, um, you know, great, great companies as well, too. Obviously there's Aries, but you mentioned Winkler as well, too. And sort of these, these brands that have sort of been identified as like the, the pillars of their niche um, to be able to come together around this one kind of world that's been created by this author and sort of have that association with each other as well, too. It was neat for me. We have a, uh, I'll do a series of videos. I'm supposed to do them uh, for, Ken's wife, Paula, Ken Hackthorn, uh, last time I was out there, Paula was asking about the office. And so I told her I'll do a series of Instagram videos that just take you through a tour of our office. So uh, we have an old payphone, like a legit doop, 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 doop payphone um, that sits in here. And it was the phone that I put in the Connex. I started this whole thing out of a Connex container in our driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, and now in that Connex is where we do all of the sandblasting, bead blasting. So all the case finish work happens in there. So Cerakote set up as a Cerakote booth and bead blast. Um, I was blasting cases. What is today? Tuesday. I was blasting cases all weekend, actually. Um, so that payphone used to sit on the wall in the Connex. And when we were in there working one day and it rang and it was the production company mm-hmm. for the show, it was like, Hey, production company for terminalist and we're on your website right now and we've been told that 
you know, pick the watches. Um, so super neat, right? From like of all of this existed in my head, right? So it's like one of those where now it's tangible and they're talking about like, you know, hey, that red crown is really going to look good on this. And, you know, so we submitted um, for production. We made, we have a video on it somewhere. I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but we made a, a four, maybe four GMTs, four stainless divers, four PVD divers, um, all autos because autos look cleaner than mm. the ticking. Mm. Uh, sent them down in a big pelican case. It was a pelican full of pelicans, as I talked uh, or described it. Um, sent them down to production. And I think, uh, I think six, they use six in production, which was good. So, uh, yeah. And then now it's all of the next phases of those things. Um, we are proud to support that. So, uh, I have a whole wall here. You'll see it. We'll find a way. I'll send you pictures of it, of, uh, our Jack car wall, our fanboy wall. Um, but what we did was made, I think they're eight feet tall, eight foot tall steel and wood tomahawks. So, uh, sitting right over there on the wall so that's yeah. awesome that's ah, incredibly cool and you know i think it's sort of like one of those moments um as a company or as a brand where you kind of get to you know sit back a little bit pat yourself on the back and say hey you know i think we made it you know well the thing that the thing that i enjoy about that is and this is he has spoken of this publicly so i'm not talking out of turn but you cannot when they approached that show they approached it from a standpoint of you cannot pay for placement. Mm -hmm. So there's no paid product placement in any of that. The gear and equipment is the gear and equipment. Mm -hmm. So it's, this is the gear and equipment that operators would choose for this environment. And it's like, okay, here you go. So when you're on the list for that, where it's a real list where they're like, Hey, here's the carbines, here's the pistols, here's the trucks, here's the stuff. And to know that, Hey, Aries is part of that where, you know, it, you, you mentioned it earlier when we started uh, about, how Aries is known within that community as kind of like the thing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that. I don't know. And I'm not in that community. I'm not online. I'm not in, you know, any forum, I'm not trolling any stuff like, Hey man, I'm here building watches and we're doing everything we can to move the ball forward. Mm -hmm. um, I know that we ship a tremendous amount of our timers to operational groups. I know that uh, it's neat when things happen worldwide in the war on terror or other conflicts to get wrist shots from guys on, uh, you know, on the kind of like the secure apps on your phone where they're like, Hey man, like, I know this is going to delete in two minutes, but check out this. Like we just hit this and here's the collateral. And it's like, Hey man, that's cool. So, um, we've got a Boba Fett paint scheme that we did a couple of years ago on one watch that went out to a guy that's doing good work globally. And we get picks every once in a while where you're like, Oh, nice. That's <laughs> like pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's pretty it sweet. is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you get to see like, you know, talking again about like the community and things like that. I mean, with the terminal specifically, you get to see your watches in there next to brands like Resco oris other yeah. watch companies that got to be featured in that as well too and again i didn't it was interesting to hear that it wasn't about placement it was about actually building the authentic world around watches and timekeeping as an element of 
um, of that universe. I mean, obviously the terminalist, while you know, Jack likes watches, obviously the watch companies like watches for, for those that are in the space that nerd out about things like that, we're going to notice the watches, but it's not something that like, I think the average viewer would know or really care about. So it's really interesting to see um, the attention to detail as, as small as the timepieces that are being used yeah. in that universe that, that are authentic and realistic and, and make sense. So I think that that, I think that that was a really cool element as well too. And, and I think it's just super cool that you got to be a part of that. I think that's something yeah. really special. So I hope it's the only time uh, that a suicide bomber uses our watch. So that's hopefully, the, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, I hope it's the only time. Yeah. That's really interesting. No. Huh? The, um, one of the last things I kind of wanted to go over with you, and it kind of brings us back to the beginning of our discussion where we were talking about how you designed the watch um, that you wanted to have when you were doing that sort of work yourself. And you, you showed us some of the, the elements of design uh, from a production standpoint, but I want to talk about the elements of design from an actual practical standpoint. Like why do your watches look the way they look? Why do they, why do they work the way they that's work? That's what came out. Yeah. So, I mean, re realistically, like the, the case design is the, I, I sat down and have drawn that case for years before we made it. Mm -hmm. um, the 10 o'clock crown is the 10 o'clock crown because of the snag issues on kit. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like donning and doffing gear and having it snag on stuff. So I put a 10 o'clock crown on it. Mm -hmm. One of the first things that the team guy texted me when he got him was he was like, finally. He's like, finally, somebody put a crown where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. um, the depth rating is my Pacific Northwest, Seattle, grunge, hey man, fuck you kind of a thing is our mm -hmm. thousand meter depth rating, uh, mm -hmm. especially on the autos. To have an exposed case back thousand meter diver is legitimately Aries' ability to look across the room at other brands and be like, yeah, like fuck off. Like mm -hmm. anybody could do it, right? We can all do it. Mm -hmm. um you just have to choose to do it mm -hmm. and that, so for us choosing to do it it's that means it has to be created a certain way designed a certain way to withstand that pressure mm -hmm. um and i love pressure so it's like let's go um the aspect of the design that i don't know is there you can't predetermine, I believe from a design standpoint and an art standpoint, you can't predetermine the end. Mm -hmm. So for me in drawing the case right now, I'm doing our chronograph. Um, so in developing our chronograph, it goes to what's the end state supposed to be? What do I need the performance envelope to be? Well, I need an operational operational mission timer chronograph. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of is going to change. What does it then need to look like? Mm -hmm. What engine is going to power that? And then what features and characteristics is it going to have? I, I never set out. It, so, so far I've only designed three watches. Mm -hmm. I've designed the diver one, the GMT, and then the field. And I never set out to design something that is different from someone else. I don't look at other things. I don't consciously be like, well, I can't do that because that looks the same, or I can't do that because of this. I set out to just draw um, something that speaks to me about the watch. Mm -hmm. 
And so for our chronograph, I, the case design is going to be similar. Um, the movement is going to surprise you. The features are going to surprise you, but I think it's going to be one of those that when you get it on wrist and when you're using it, when you have it as a piece of kit, you're like, hell yeah, like that's, that's exactly what I need it to be. Um, and so that's what I'm going for. What chrono would I have wanted to have? Um, so that's, what's driving that. Mm -hmm. And I'm still working on it, still sketching, right? I've moved on from crayons. I now use pencils. Hey, so it's that's very interesting. Can we talk a little bit about like I guess the the intent or the um I guess the the intentional decision to make your timers mission timers instead of using a traditional dive bezel, for example? Why do you need to time time the same way? Mm -hmm. An elapsed time bezel. If I wanted to know the elapsed time, I just look at the face of the watch. Mm -hmm. So from a mission timer standpoint, having a mission. So when would a mission timer be used? If we ask, when is this watch going to be used? Well, it's going to be used in an operational environment. Mm -hmm. Well, in an operational environment, is that an antiseptic environment or is it a dynamic environment? I'm like, well, it's a dynamic environment. So in that dynamic environment, how am I as the person going to be? Well, I'm probably going to be tired. I'm going to be wet. I'm going to be a little, it's going to be dark, right? I'm going to be thinking of a thousand different metrics of what is going on in the operational world. The last thing I need is to look down at my timer and be like, what time did we start again? Mm -hmm. Like, what is, what is, what's going on here? So a mission timer bezel gives us the ability to measure time from two different angles. It's the time that's elapsed and it's the time that's remaining. Mm -hmm. So in a decreased environmental state, whether it's stormy and rainy and cold outside or it's stormy and rainy and cold inside, right? In that decreased environment, if I can time something from two different points and arrive at the same answer, then that's a win, right? Mm -hmm. That lets me look at my watch and be like, man, have I been here 15 minutes or have I been here 30 minutes? Did we have seven minutes left or we had 17 minutes left? Hey, man, in that decreased cognitive state, I need to be able to look at this thing and know that when that big hand gets to the big triangle, it's time to fucking leave, mm -hmm. right? Like that's exactly what that's for. Um, and if you look at our mission timer bezel in the dive configuration, it also slews to the safety side. Mm -hmm. So if you spin that bezel, say you're on a dive, say you're on target time and it bumps, it's bumping you to the positive of safety first, as opposed to, Hey man, I stayed longer. Mm -hmm. You're like, Nope, you're, you're now cognitively thinking, Hey man, it's time to go. Well, you're either going to go early a little bit like, Hey, we're leaving early. Um, as opposed to leaving late. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, that's a very yeah. interesting feature. And I, I knew that there was going to be some sort of intent behind the design for sure, but it's interesting to hear it directly from you, kind of why you did what you did. Um, it's all intentional. Of course. Yeah. And, all, and, all. and that, and that to me is the joy of being able to develop stuff as a, as a company and as a brand and as a designer is it's mm -hmm. all intentional because mm -hmm. intentional is the only thing that matters. Mm -hmm. 
What's something else that you would like people to know about your watches? Maybe we've covered a lot in this interview and it's been a tremendous mm -hmm. interview, but what's something that you would really like to get out there about your watches and about your brand? I think it's the people. I think it's the fact that we're watchmakers in North America making watches. Mm -hmm. Like we're cutting, st cutting steel, building components and putting everything together. Like right here, right? I, I touched this wall to my left. On the other side of this wall, um, is where everybody is legitimately creating American watchmaking. Um, and I, I don't ever get into how many brands are doing it or not doing it. I just know we're doing it, right? I can I can only be accountable to me and myself and what we do here. And I know here we are every day a group of people that love watches. That was one of the other things. There was a, one of our watchmakers. We're all watch people. Right. So you can come in here every day and there is a variety of brands and things that we like and enjoy about other watches. Um, and one of the watchmakers once was hit with a negative comment on something. They're like, oh, look, they're not wearing an Aries watch. And you're like, hey, man, like we're watch people. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's a that doesn't, you know, detract from what we're able to do. So or how we do it. So, yeah, for me, um, what I would express about Aries is that it's watch people making watches and working as hard as we can to reinvigorate watchmaking here in North America. Cause it's not from here. Right. It used to be, um, it's not anymore. You got to choose to want to do it, which means in the reality of what it is, is you have to choose pain a little bit. You got to choose the pain of growth. You got to choose the pain of bitching. You got to choose the pain of, you know, um, of we're not as good as, you know, you're not as good as a brand as you could be. Like, oh, of course that. I mean, you think I don't know that? You think I don't hear that voice before you speak it? Mm -hmm. Like, that's why every single day it's like, what can we do better to move the ball forward a little bit, to get more, take more ground, to do more things from a standpoint of reinforcing what and how we do it. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's badass that we're able to do it. We'd love it. We celebrate it every day and are, getting to play around and do things when you make the things that you deliver, you have more freedom to be able to create what that is you provide and how you do it. So to you and to everybody else, like our, we're, we're on the map, our door is right here. This whole place is set up for you guys. This is the, Aries clubhouse for the, you know, everybody it's interesting that I was, I was watching uh, some of the new stuff about Rolex taking over. Um, I'm going to mispronounce it. You pronounce Booker, it. Booker. Yeah. Yeah. Booker. Um, and how they were some of the discussion around that is, yeah, they're, they're aiming for a more direct boutique experience. Hmm. You're like, Oh, cool. Like we've, we're good then. Like we've started the boutique experience. <laughs> like we're, you know um, so yeah. Like, come on up, you know, where we're at, come on in. This place exists for you guys. Like watch how your watch is made. Um, you know, I don't think we have actually addressed where you are. I know you're in the States, but where are you? And on the Pacific yeah, side, of uh, it, we're in Stanwood, are... Stanwood, Washington. We're about 40. Well, we're 45 miles North of Seattle, but that could be a couple hours based on how things go. Um, yeah. So we're up in the Pacific Northwest, our steel's cut here. And in Utah, our field watch is cut down in Ogden, Utah. And the divers are cut up here. 
Um, and then, like I said, the Connex is where we bead blast and spray them. So, uh, and then this is where the magic happens. So awesome. That's really, really cool. That's awesome to hear. And it's interesting that you, know, you bring up that interesting point about American watchmaking. And I know there are, are, are other companies as well that are trying to kind of get this industry going again and try to create that spirit of American watchmaking again. Um, but it sounds like Aries is certainly one of the ones that is, is a front runner in that right now and, and trying to really, truly develop that as best as they can. We're, we're, we're doing what we can do mm-hmm. and everything that we can do more, then we're just going to, you know, work towards doing more. Um, we've developed with Cerakote. So Cerakote is a coating Mm-hmm. For lack of a better term, it's very prominent in the gun world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're located down in Oregon over the past year and a half, maybe two years. We've worked with Cerakote on developing a loom. Um, I've got a bottle of it over there. It's the only existing loom created in North America. Um, so we've developed a loom specific that we want to integrate now into all of our products. It's a better loom. Um, The hotter it gets, the brighter it gets. So it has some ancillary benefits from an operational watch concept. Uh, It gives us more opportunity to use pigmentation and color variation in what we're doing, uh, which gives us a greater ability to address operational timing uh, from a color palette and um yeah so it's stuff like that it's like we can innovate where we innovate Mm -hmm. and then from there just keep driving on same with dials so uh as we move towards domestic dial manufacturing we're looking at a sandwich dial um where we're using our own proprietary loom with cerakote our own proprietary coating with cerakote on those dials um i mean there's nothing wrong with a sandwich dial right at all like it's, it's transparent to the end user, right? It shouldn't matter how it's built. It's that it's built the best that it can be built. And that's kind of what I continue to challenge us in house on doing is, is this the best way we can do this? Is this the best thing we can put forward? Is this the best way to do it? Um, and if it's a yes, then drive on with it. If it's a no, then it's not ready. Don't do it. Like, you know, hmm. um, wait, make it better you know, make it right. Well, it's interesting to hear that there's that innovation, uh, not just through the watches themselves, but also through materials and things like that. I would assume that, you know, even it's interesting to see that that innovation specifically to like that loom, for example, that's something that's coming from watches, um, but could have applications elsewhere as well too. Right. So it's really, really interesting to hear about the enterprising kind of uh, innovation that's happening uh, that Aries is involved in. It, you if you're not gonna save yourself mm. right i mean and that's the that's the first tenant back when i used to teach kill house the first rules nobody's coming to save you mm. right and that's real hey man mm. nobody's coming to save you mm. like and so for us as a business nobody's gonna come in here and swoop in and be like oh okay we'll make all your dreams happen like it's a grind mm-hmm. right you have to believe in what you're doing and just continue to knock it out so for us the super luminova that we use is without question the finest loom you can put on a watch, mm-hmm. which is why we use it. However, comma, it doesn't make sense to me that if a coding company like Cerakote 
makes coatings, then why can't we make a coating that glows and we can use in the timer world? Mm -hmm. So when we were down there in their shop working on coatings, that was the question asked to me. Hey, man, what can we do for you? Like, what do you need from us? I said, well, nobody in America makes a loom. Let's do that. And within, I think, 90 minutes, their R&D development team came back with the guy from management and said, let's sit down and knock this out. And it was like, hey, all of us at the table know this isn't going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And all of us know it's not going to be fast. But we also know that if we do it, when we do it, it reinforces everything that we all believe in at the table. So then do it, right? If the da- if the only downside is I have to carry more load or I have to, you know, walk longer on the trail, then okay. Like if it's just going to be personally taxing to me and you're just going to hurt me more to move everything else forward, then that's service, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what that is? Yeah. Hey man, I'm not here for me. I got me. Like I know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can take what we create here and it's one of the reasons why we've offered to other companies domestically to support manufacturing what they do. If they're not making their own parts or if they're getting things sourced, we have machines. Let's cut it. Let's cut that steel here. Let's do that. Let's let's it's not just me that benefits from this. It's the rising tide lifts all boats. Well then let's go. I'm not going to be hurt by the fact it's not a zero sum game. And that's the way unfortunately that a lot of people approach it is, Hey, Eric's only going to buy one watch. You're like, Oh no, he's going to buy many. And if he chooses to buy somebody else, that's fine. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean he's a vote for another watch isn't a vote against me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just a choice that someone made. Well, if I can help you make that choice to another military centric brand that we were able to support either known or unknown to be able to make that happen, then I benefit from that too. It's a guy buying a watch. Awesome. You still have your, you still have your, your piece of that pie. Right. So I think that that's, yeah, it's really interesting. That's really, really cool. Hmm. Well, you know, I think that we've covered so much uh, topic wise today. Uh, You've talked a lot about yourself and your own history. We've talked a lot about uh, how Aries operates as a brand. We've talked a lot about the, the models there within, um, we, we learned so much and I think it's, it's been tremendous um, hearing from you. The last question I ask, and I ask almost all business owners this, because I think it's an important question uh, for all business owners to always consider. And um, I'm sure it's one you've reflected on many times. And, and this episode is sort of a uh, very long answer, I think, to the question I'm about to ask you. But if you were to boil it down, what is the number one reason why someone should buy an Aries watch? Well, I don't think you should buy an Aries watch. This goes back to when I ran a training company. And the way that I would talk about training is don't come here. Don't come here if you don't want to get wet. Don't come here if you don't want to be cold. Don't come here if you don't want to learn. Don't come here if you don't want to, you know, be tired. And if you don't want to drive through stuff. So if you don't, if you're not in, if you don't look at your timer as a piece of kit, Mm -hmm. and if you don't look at, the tools that you surround yourself with as professional tools, then I don't think we are for you. Mm-hmm. But if you are that individual that when you pick up a piece of kit, you know, like, Hey man, this is to hell and back and it's going to ride with me. Then yeah, come on by. Mm-hmm. We're here for you. The consumers that you're looking to sell to don't need to be convinced because they already know what they're looking for sort of thing. 
Well, that I can't convince you, mm -hmm. right? That that goes back to I can't make you like me. Mm -hmm. I can only make the best operational mission timer made. Mm -hmm. And then you decide, hey man, does this work for me? And I think you know people within the community where they're like, hey man, you want a badass watch that's like doing good? There you go. Hmm. So right on. That's an interesting answer. I don't think I've had quite that answer before. So it's uh it's very insightful. I I appreciate that. Matt, what are the uh, places where people can interact with um, some of your content or uh, check out the site or if they want to purchase a watch or if they want to, to speak with you? Uh, you can always call us. Phone number's on the website. Uh, arieswatches.com mm -hmm. is our main site. Instagram, I believe we're Aries Watch Co. We're the only one where you'll see this on Instagram. So if you see something else, then it's... Uh, and that's it. That's, that's the way it is. So typically uh, when that phone rings, we answer it and uh, we go from there. So I'll be sure to drop all those links in the description boxes below on. Uh, and come by, come on by. We got fresh coffee all the time. There's whiskey in here. There's a ton of watches, maybe some tomahawks. Well stocked. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I'll make sure I drop all the description or all that information in the description boxes below on the podcast platforms and on YouTube. Uh, likewise, for myself, if anyone has any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to shoot me an email at ricoswatchespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, additionally, if you want to follow along with the show, we're sort of a central hub for information and communication, you can give us a follow on Instagram, just at ricoswatchespodcast, all one word. If you enjoy this episode in audio medium or in many of my others, and you'd like to enjoy them in a video medium, you can head over to youtube uh at rico's watches podcast i upload a video there as well that accompanies a lot of my audio uh episodes just uh, for accessibility for people and things like that to check out so um just make sure you can like subscribe with the bell icon all that youtube stuff if you do so it just helps with the algorithm and, and continuing to grow the channel as well over there on that end of the house as well matt it's been tremendous chatting with you it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you getting to know uh the, the inner workings of aries and uh just learning more about what it is that you do and what your company does thanks for having me it was an honor to be here thank you likewise you take care you too